looking at the things, in case any of y'all were here wanting to hear about sex, money, or marriage, I'm not going to be talking about sex, money, or marriage. I'm not particularly going to be thinking, t- talking about Thanksgiving or Christmas or Advent, but I am going to be talking about sex, money, marriage, Christmas and Advent, and Thanksgiving, okay? So what do we mean by that? So as an elder in this church, and as Dobby and, and Chris have come on board, I mean, Dobby and Ted, and then Chris and I and John Hugh have been kind of directing the direction of this church. It, I'm, I'm kind of the not the touchy-feely guy, where Chris is very bubbly and, and John Hugh is very straightforward. I'm kind of the, the behind thinker. And so what has been my role in this time? And so part of that is establishing trust, okay? Trust in where we're going, what's our future. Um, I think that everybody knows what it is to establish trust. Who, who in here has not ever flown on an airplane? Is there anybody here that's never flown? It's okay. This, we're as a group of Christians. There's one or two people. So when you're walking down that gangway to get on an airplane and you're turning to get on the airplane, right there is the cockpit cabin to the airplane. Okay, there are some guys that say hello to you and you know, maybe they're doing some knobs and all that stuff. You go ahead and go back and get on your seat, okay? All the doors shut, put your seatbelt on, you fly off. What do you really know about that person that's flying that airplane? Do you know anything? You, you have 100% faith in that person to sit in that chair where they go off. What is it that gives you that faith? Is it government regulations? Who, who puts all their faith in government re- regulations? Is it their training? Is it somebody who works for the airline that made sure those people were trained? Is it the flight attendants who are also on the flight with you in the back? Do they, do they have faith in that guy? So what we're talking about is faith. Faith in those people. So every day we're used to, not every day, but quite often we're used to putting faith in people we don't know for any reason. We, we don't know anything about them. We don't know where they've been, what they've been doing in the hours before the flight but we're willing to put 100% faith in them. So where do we put our faith as we go along in what, we're, what we just read in 2 Timothy, especially for this church and its future direction? Okay? This particular thing in 2 Timothy talks about mentoring. Here, Paul, uh, Paul is mentoring to Timothy to kind of tell him the direction we need, that he needs to be going. Okay? I think that's important. Paul... He mentored to Timothy, Barnabas mentored to Paul, and to John Mark. And who mentors to us? It's Jesus. It's this book. It's its word. Okay. As an elder, I have to sit back and look and say, what is my purpose? What is the purpose that I'm put in the position and where I am? What's the direction that we need to go as a church? How do we participate in something bigger than ourselves, okay? How do we move into this part of 2 Timothy, which is verses 14 through 17? Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, 
which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Avoid irreverent irreverent babble. They are upsetting the faith of some. Okay? There, There are times... And John, he wanted me to, it's kind of interesting, Cassie wanted me, since his Thanksgiving is just done, to talk about Thanksgiving. They're trying to throw me a real, just kind of softball to stand up here. John Hughes like, why don't you talk about all the things that church that you've done and things that value of the church that's had to you. And so I will do that. Um, this place has always been very special to me in the past, okay, and so... A lot of y'all know that about five years ago, and some of you don't know, and y'all have heard me talk about this before, but um, I was at an event called Walk to Emmaus, which if you have not been there, I would recommend you go there. I think it's a great weekend. It's a great renewing experience, and if anybody wants to, to go and spend the weekend out there at Walk to Emmaus in a Christian conference renewal type of spirit, can talk to any of us. I mean, Jill, me or Cassie, Ted, Jerry, any of us have been out there, a lot, of, a lot in the congregation, and we'd love to get you out there. So I was out there totally in the spirit of Christ and brotherhood, and at about, on Friday night, I'd gone to bed, everything was good, um, I got woken up, which happens a lot, whether I'm at church or anywhere else, when somebody gets sick, because I'm a physician, they come and ask me to come and and see people are sick, so I'm used to getting woke up in the middle of the night. And I went into the chapel, and John Hugh Tate, our pastor, and my wife Cassie were, were in there, and they were telling me that my son had died. Okay. And as I processed that, and I started to leave, I noticed that most of the people from my small group were there also. This is a Friday night. The people in my small group were actually mostly together out doing something together. And so they had brought Cassie out to, to give me that news. And then we went from there and I flew to where he was. And at that point, there are, there are times in your life where you have to have a gospel moment. Okay? You see that no matter where you go what you're doing. There are times that you can interact with people that have to be what I clearly see as gospel moments. And in that moment, we had a family meeting. All my children were there. Uh, My wife was there with me. And what had happened is my son and his wife had split, and they had been sore together that week. And she came to him and told him that she was choosing another guy over him. And so in order to, I guess, teach her a lesson, he picked up a pistol and he shot himself. Okay? And so at that moment, you can place all the blame on the other person. I could have placed it all on her. Uh, But as Christians and as a brotherhood, we have to reach outside of ourselves and reach into Christ into what the Lord has for us. And my daughter wanted to know how to treat her 
at the funeral and around because she was going to be involved or should she be involved. And as that reached deep inside of myself and find out what Jesus has for my life, I had to tell my children, we are going to love on her. Any part that she may have played in this, we're going to forgive her because she's hurting too. She has to be part of our family, which includes our family of Jesus and Christ, Jesus Christ, and who we are as Christians, okay? So in the direction of this church, how do, how do, we, how do you get people to reach inside and get to that point in their life, okay? If you notice, every one of those songs, I, I don't have to preach today. If we look at the words of the songs that Ty and Tyler put up there for us today, there, there's no reason for me to preach. Everything that I have to say to you all is all in those songs. It's amazing. We did not talk about this ahead of time. We did nothing to, to prepare for this together. But everything that I have to say that's of value is in that music. So the direction we're headed is, is the direction towards that. Does that make sense to everybody? Um, so how do, we, how do we get to where we can participate and move towards that inner feeling of God, like we're just the example I gave? So one of the things we've done is we've gone with the Acts 29 network, which they have a series of statements and covenants that we that we have agreed to follow. We also go through a thing called the Gospel Coalition. Hunter and John Hugh just got back from a meeting of the Gospel Coalition, and if you ever want to go with us to, to go to one of those things, I think it's a tremendous value as well. We follow a thing that's called the Apostles' Creed, and John Hugh did a huge sermon series on that a while back, and if you're not familiar with that, I would, I would say you should read that and go. I have a copy of it if anybody would like it. Um, we are moving towards the concept of one shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, and one flock, which is not only all of us, but all those around us, okay? So if you look on that slide that Hunter showed when he was talking, the one about the going off to the ranch this summer as the youth, at the bottom, it said a W and a slash, with Fondren Church and with Grace City Church, okay? We, we are not, um, we, we're not an island here in ourselves for what our main purpose is, is two, two things, okay? And I'll get to that um, in just a minute. But how do we keep going the direction that we should be going, okay? Does anybody in here know what the Lausanne Covenant is. Hunter, any seminary guys in here? No? Praise Jesus. At least I'm going to give you something that you don't know at this point. And I, I think that's awesome, because I think we ought to be all familiar with it. It's a covenant that back in, in the early 1970s, basically 12 to 1,500 evangelical uh, preachers were invited into Lausanne, uh, Switzerland, in order to sit down and say, where have we failed the world to go out and talk about Christ and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through evangelism? I don't know about y'all, but 
I'm a little bit older, and some, some people remember this, before that time, and before that started really taking off, that when you went to church, the main reason I went to church when I was young is because I didn't want to go to hell. And that was the preaching, you know. If you don't do what we're telling you, you are going straight to hell. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm not missing out because I don't want to go to hell. But there is more than just that. That's the ultimate goal. But there is a way that we want to reach out to people and come to that conclusion that there's more to life than just being born, life is hard, and dying. Okay? There's got to be more than that. So this, the laws and covenant and got together to say, how can we apologize for not reaching out to people, not taking care of better people, and how can we come up with some kind of way or statement or covenant to reach more people and to get on, all on the same page? And it doesn't matter if you're at Grace City or at Fonner Church or here, we all want to have the same idea towards moving to bring more people to Christ, to get that deep feeling about the peace that Christ can give you, okay? Two of the people who were involved in that and um, were instrumental in its formation were Billy Graham and a guy whose name is John Stott, which is a Europe's version of Billy Graham is the best way I can describe it. So, you know, this covenant was built on the backs of giants, not just one man deciding... 200 years ago, this is what the Bible said, and everybody should follow that and move into a denomination. Does that make sense? Okay. So, how do we obey the Great Commission? Okay. The Great Commission says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am all, I'm with you always until the end of the age. So let's look to Jesus, okay? Jesus had two verses that applied to him. So this is uh, John 18.37. says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are king, Jesus answered. You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So we have the example from Jesus that we need to be spreading his name, his his gospel, and to be serving other people. So I'm just going to touch on a couple of points of the, um, the Laws and Covenant. It has actually 15 or 16 points. The first one is the purpose of God. Now, if you listen to the first song we sang and the third song we sang, I don't really need to discuss the purpose of God. It's all in there. We have one eternal God, Creator and Lord that governs us by his will, not our, not our will, but his. Okay? He has called us to be his servants and witnesses 
to extend his kingdom and build it up through Christ, through this body. A lot of people will talk about, well, I don't need, I don't need church because I, I can be the spiritual person. The, the body of Christ is church, and that'll make a little more sense as we, as we go through. Um, you know, at some point we have to confess that we failed the world as, as spreading that news, okay? We shouldn't be conforming to the world, but we should be rejoicing in our ability to reach into the, what Jesus Christ has for us. Um, lots of verses God's not weary he's strong he's equipped us with all we need we have to believe number two is that we have to believe in the power and authority of this thing that that this book both the Old Testament and the New Testament you're going to find churches this day that say we need to forget everything from here to here because that's Old Testament it doesn't apply to us Okay, only the New Testament applies to us. You're, you're going to find that. Here, we, we do not believe that. We believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament. So if you're doing the scriptural reading, you're going to do Old Testament and New Testament, the weekly reading. Eventually, what you're going to find is what I found over the years, is that I, I like to think of the Old Testament and the New Testament as that piano right there. As Tyler's playing... He's playing a note down here on the bass side and a note down here on the treble side, okay? But if you mesh here and you mesh here, you're going to find those are the same notes, whether they're A, B, C, D, E, F, G here or A, B, C, D, E, F, G here. They're going to be the same. They're just a different tone. And I like to think of the Old Testament, the New Testament as that when as you're playing a piano, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Does that make sense to everybody? And we have to know that it's an unerrant word. And so you're going to find that a lot of people say you need to forget the whole left half of that piano right there. Well, Tyler was playing the song. It's going to sound kind of funny if he's just playing half that piano up there. Okay? So the other thing we have to know is that Christ is unique and universal. Christ came for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're from West Jackson, if you're from Northeast Jackson, Clinton, Byram, wherever, or from India, or from uh, Asia. Christ is the same for all of us, okay? He came for all of us. Doesn't matter poverty, Whatever. Christ is for all of us. People are all created in the image of God, and Christ is here. So if you listen to John Hughes' sermon last week, which I think is one of the best sermons I've, I've ever heard on the, on the um, issue of same-sex attraction, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. That's just the way it... And I've, I've heard... I have several friends and family members that that fit in that same-sex attraction. And I heard another preacher whose sister-in-law is also fits in that group. And he's a very well-known pastor, and he, he did not do justice as to what John Hugh did. And it all surrounded around one thing, which is that Christ is for all of us and how we should respond to that in love as Christians. Does that make sense? The thing that Christ is not, if you hear people say, it doesn't matter if you're Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, 
are Christian, Christ is not the same to Christians as he is to all things. I want to make sure, to all those other religions, I want to make sure that's clear as well. Um, what's the purpose of evangelism? It's to spread the good news. Okay. The, we also have a, a social responsibility as Christians, which is another thing that John Hugh talked about last week. A lot of people under this covenant will say that evangelism is the only thing that's important. We've got to get out there, we've got to pound heads, and we've got to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody. But there is also a second part of this covenant that says we also have to fight injustice, we have to fight poverty, we have to social responsibility to people who are persecuted. And that also means that all of us as Christians are going to be persecuted. We hear that, we read that in the Bible, that as you step out for Christ, that you take a risk of getting persecuted. You look at that guy in the, in the Indian islands where he just, you know, they're not going to be able to get his body back because he went to an island trying to spread the word of Christ. And those guys just flat out killed him. So we... I'm not sure that in his case he had the responsibility to go to a place where he was told he was not supposed to go and that they would kill him if he went there. That's a little bit on the edge, but that is the ultimate in sacrifice to try to go and try because there are 2,700 million people in the world that have not heard about Christ at this point. And if we're responsible for that, then, you know, that... that kid gave his life for, for Christ. We had a guy that came in here the other morning to our men's group that made an argument that we should, now that we're going to Mars, the Bible says that we should spread the message of Jesus to the entire world. And now that we're going to Mars, that means the entire world has already had the message. Now we're going to other worlds to potentially spread the news. So the world's going to end. This guy just walked up off the street and just started proclaiming that as his thoughts about end times. My thought is, is we have this new presidential warning system with the text messages where the president can just send everybody a text at once that says, um, says, you know, hey, the country's under attack or whatever. President Trump could just go, or whoever the next president, Democrat or Republican, just get in there and say, Jesus saves and press a button, and the world's going to end that day because everybody hears about Jesus all at once, right? Not, not quite the way it works. I've been to Africa on mission trips, and I've been to Honduras. I invite you to go to Honduras with us. Um, down there, we're, we're spreading the gospel. We're also showing who we are as Christians to those people, as loving people, as people who want to care about their their plight, (laughs) same way as Jesus wants to go and serve. We have to be both. We have to be evangelizing those people and social responsibility for education, clean water, all those kind of things, health. And so that's part of the mission that goes under the Lausanne Covenant. So we want to go down there And visit them, and those people are very happy. But the thing we don't want to do is go down there and say, in your culture, the only way you can be a Christian is to adopt our culture. 
Christ in the Bible made his commitment to culture where it doesn't matter if you're from that side of Jackson or this side of Jackson or in Honduras or India where we have other missions and where we support pastors and other people. It doesn't matter. When you read the Bible as the culture you're in, it means the same thing to them as to us with not conforming to our culture or us conforming to them. Does that make sense? That's also in the, in the covenant. It also speaks of that we are every day at spiritual warfare, okay? With each other, within the church itself, with other churches down the street, and that we have to be all in unity to fight against that. We all want to have one purpose, which is to spread the gospel and to serve the world. Make sense? So we don't have to fight with our brothers. And just like on that slide, we're going to the ranch's youth with other churches for that purpose. So we all need to be in unity. The devil seeks to prowl like a lion in our midst. and So we want to try to avoid that. The reason why I think this covenant is important, as elders in this church, we want to have a direction. We want to... We're not some kind of conspiracy here. We want you to see where we're headed and see where we're going. And that covenant is part of our direction. Does that make sense to everybody? I don't want to, like, you know, see that there's anything different. And we also believe that the Holy Spirit is leading us. Maybe leading you to think of lunch or to take a nap right now while I'm talking, but otherwise we just... We, we want to know that we believe in that, okay? And as my role as an elder, what I've hoped for is to have played a role in building something here that is not blind obedience to one person or one denomination, to some theology that makes us bend to the world around us that's broken, we want to build our, our church on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the theology from giants around, like Billy Graham, like John Stott. Okay? So that it applies today. It applied to what happened last year or five years ago in this church and where we're headed for the future. Okay? Now this sign right here, people giving... And going, G3, this is where we're headed, okay? So we talk about people, that's us. We talk about giving, which is giving of ourselves, our time, our money, whatever, to make these things happen. And going, whether it doesn't, doesn't matter if we're going down the street for somebody whose family members died. It doesn't matter um, if we're talking about uh, going to Honduras or India, any of those things that are coming up that we head this direction. And so we, that's the thing. So it doesn't matter if we're having the trunk or treat thing out here or we're going and giving out turkeys like a lot of you did last Monday for the Thanksgiving. We want to show love from this church. And why are we doing that? Because we're trying to serve as Christ served us. Okay. Um, the future is what we make of it. And the future is in this book right here. Okay, we want to be going. Okay, um, 
I want to read a quote. This is from Dorothy Sayers, who was a famous um, crime writer and poet in, Eng- in England back in the day. She, she died in like 1960s, but it's amazing how she was also a very strong Christian, had a lot of Christian writings. And nothing has the church so lost her hold on reality as in her failure to understand and respect secular vocation. She has allowed work and religion to become separate departments and is astonished to find that, as a result, the secular work of the world is turned to purely selfish and destructive ends and that the greater part of the world's intelligent workers have become irreligious or at least uninterested in religion. But is it astonishing? How can anyone remain interested in a religion that seems to have no concern for nine-tenths of our life? Okay. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. So that was written almost 100 years ago. It's still true today. It's still the same thing we find today. So while we're going out, it talks about going, going to our neighbors, going to our friends. We're also talking about going uh, going to work and telling others about the power of Jesus Christ. So um, thanks for listening. That all came to me just like this morning at like 7 o'clock. And I had something totally different, but just God felt me to lead. Like, what's the direction? Part of that is, you know, I'm ending my term as elder, and so, you know, y'all are not going to, I'm going to sit down next to y'all and let Ted and Davi and Chris take it over, but I just wanted to share my thoughts about where we're headed, and like, that the only conspiracy here exists in this book. Does that make sense to everybody? So now we're going to have a time of communion. This time of communion is for us to all gather. So we've, we've had Thanksgiving time, we're coming up on Christmas, and it's always an interesting time. You gather around big tables to sit and eat and enjoy each other's company and bring in family members, sometimes guests. Um, we had an amazing Thanksgiving where we were invited into a home and just had an incredible day. And we sat around table all together as friends and family. And we have that opportunity when we take communion to gather at what is the largest table in the world for not just holiday, but for every day. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian here in this, in this uh, room here or you're a Christian in India or in Honduras or anywhere We are all invited to the longest, the biggest table in the world, which is the table of Jesus Christ. And all of that comes from love for one another as fellow Christians. You look at that thing, which is back there, which is our baptismal, but it says on the front, this do in remembrance of me. So our seat at that table it's not only for us, but it's for people we've known in the past that were Christians, our family members, our family that has died over the years, and our future generations of family down the road. That table 
as long as we continue to evangelize and to serve, we're all going to be sitting at the same long table of Christ. Okay? So this service of communion, and everybody that's helping, if y'all just come on up, appreciate it, is, is where we learn. And that when we talk about unity, this is the time where we all have unity in Christ through that big table. So we're going to have communion, and what we're going to do is we're going to uh, do an open communion where you can just come when you feel that. Dear Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the safety of this place. We just thank you for the world around us and the opportunity that we have to go out and reach for you, Lord. We thank you for the direction that we're heading. We just thank you for um, being able to spread your word and to continue to serve in your name, Lord, to show that love of you had for us and that service you had for us and that you died on the cross for us and that we need to die on the cross here, Lord, so that we can continue to serve you and ask forgiveness for things that we do not do in your name, Lord. Just continue to bless this community. We just ask that um, you continue to watch over Charlotte as she continues to heal up in Memphis and just thank you for the opportunity for all of us to gather here and to pray for that family. We pray for other families, whether it be for health needs or for uh, disasters or for death, Lord, we just thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to you, invite the Holy Spirit in to ask for your healing and protection and for your wisdom, Lord. Just thank you for this place and all it means to us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and thank you for being the everlasting God that you are. In your name we pray, amen.